<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Welcome to the Tech Meme Ride Home for Friday, March 13th, 2020. I'm Brian McCullough. Today, has the coronavirus proven that data caps from ISPs are a sham? Comcast accidentally published the numbers of customers who paid them not to do that. Airbnb continues to be in trouble. Cool no-code tools from Atlassian. And of course, the weekend long read suggestions. Here's what you missed today in the world of tech. What do you think the lead stories are all about today? Apple has announced that it will hold WWDC in June, quote, in an entirely new online format. Quoting the announcement, We are delivering WWDC 2020 this June in an innovative way to millions of developers around the world, bringing the entire developer community together in a new experience, said Phil Schiller, Apple's senior vice president of worldwide marketing. The current health situation has required that we create a new WWDC 2020 format that delivers a full program with an online keynote and sessions, offering a great learning experience for our entire developer community all around the world. We will be sharing all the details in the weeks ahead, end quote. Now that announcement, if you read it all the way through, doesn't even mention COVID-19 by name, and it kind of leaves the door open to holding some sort of event that would include some form of in-person attendance but we shall see. And despite all of that, Mac Rumors is reporting that anonymous sources have told them that Apple is still planning to announce new MacBook Air models next week. Meanwhile, Microsoft said its Build 2020 developer conference planned for May 19th through 21st will be a digital-only event. Bloomberg is reporting that in Italy, currently subject to coronavirus-related lockdown, housebound Italian kids have been straining that country's digital networks because of all their Fortnite marathons. Quote, We reported an increase of more than 70% of internet traffic over our landline network with a big contribution from online gaming such as Fortnite, Telecom Italia Chief Executive Officer Luigi Gubitosi said Wednesday on a call with analysts. In the UK, a spokesman for Vodafone Group's local unit said the company has been adding to network capacity in case the government introduces stricter social distancing measures, end quote. Perhaps in anticipation of something similar in the States, AT&T has suspended all broadband data caps during the coronavirus crisis, quoting Vice. AT&T is the first major ISP to confirm that it will be suspending all broadband usage caps as millions of Americans bunker down in a bid to slow the rate of COVID-19 expansion. Consumer groups and a coalition of senators are now pressuring other ISPs to follow suit. Telecom experts told Motherboard this morning that broadband caps and overage fees don't serve any real technical purpose and are little more than a glorified price hike on uncompetitive markets. We, in turn, reached out to 10 of the nation's biggest ISPs, only one of which, Mediacom, was willing to go on the record. In the wake of that report, AT&T has confirmed to Motherboard that the company will be suspending all usage caps until further notice. Quote, Many of our AT&T internet customers already have unlimited home internet access, and we are waiving internet data overage for the remaining customers, a company spokesperson said. End quote. As Games Nosh tweeted, Straight up proof, it was never a capacity issue, end quote. 
Should be noted that Comcast says it will be offering free broadband to low-income households, as well as speed boosts through the duration of the crisis. And AT&T, Comcast, Verizon, and other ISPs are joining the FCC-orchestrated Keep Americans Connected pledge and will open Wi-Fi hotspots nationwide, not terminate service for late fees, and pursue other measures to help keep Americans connected. But from the you-had-one-job department, or at least from the we-paid-you-to-do-one-simple-thing-you-incompetence department, Comcast accidentally published 200,000 unlisted phone numbers, along with names and addresses of customers who paid monthly fees to make their numbers unlisted. Quoting Ars Technica, Comcast charged $3.50 a month for the number privacy feature in Pennsylvania, the Pennsylvania Inquirer wrote. Customers elsewhere apparently paid more. Some Comcast users on a support forum reported having to pay $5.50 per month. In a statement to ours, Comcast said, quote, We have corrected this issue for our identified customers, apologized to them for this error, and given them an additional $100 credit. We are working with our customers directly to address this issue and help make it right, and are taking steps to prevent this from happening again, end quote. Turns out Comcast made a similar mistake early last decade and had to pay $33 million in a 2015 settlement. But I think the real crime here is that anybody charges anything at all to make your number unlisted. A source is telling Bloomberg that Airbnb, still a private company, of course, reported a loss of $276.4 million in Q2, nearly doubling the loss year over year of $143.7 million from the year earlier, and that was before the COVID-19 crisis even hit. Revenue was up 32% to $1.1 billion, and Airbnb has some room to breathe. The company has more than $2 billion in the bank. Still, quote, COVID-19 has hit the travel industry hard and is likely to throw a wrench in the San Francisco-based startup's growth trajectory and possibly thwart its plans for a public stock listing this year. Airbnb projected revenue to increase 25% in the first quarter of this year, according to the person who asked not to be named discussing information that's not public. That projection likely underestimated the full effect of the coronavirus on international travel, the person said. In China, Airbnb's business has been devastated by the virus. Planned bookings for February and March were down by more than 90% from a year earlier, the person said. The widening losses could also raise flags for investors who are scrutinizing the company ahead of a potential listing. Airbnb was profitable before interest taxes, depreciation, and amortization in 2017 and 2018, but lost money on that basis in 2019, a person familiar with the accounts said previously. The company has been spending heavily on marketing ahead of its public debut, end quote. Back to that $2 billion in the bank, they're going to need it. I don't see there's any way that Airbnb can IPO this year. Not at this point. After acquiring the startup Code Barrel in October, Atlassian has launched native no-code automation tools across its Jira cloud products with support for Slack, Microsoft Teams, and plenty of other third-party tools, quoting TechCrunch. While all Jira cloud customers, including those on free plans, will get access to these features, paying users will get access to additional features depending on their subscription level. 
The base functionality, however, is indeed available to all. This means the roughly 65,000 customers that use Jira will be able to automate a lot of repetitive tasks, like automatically closing tasks, send notifications when there's a high-priority issue, etc. All of this can be done with the help of a drag-and-drop tool that lets you define rules and workflows. Atlassian notes that this also works across multiple Jira software and service desk projects, end quote. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you ka-ching. As you know, I still run the first company I ever founded 25 years ago entirely on Shopify these days. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business from the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did-we-just-hit-a-million-order stage. Shopify is there to help you grow the whole way. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling. Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. What I love about Shopify is that you can take any business to the next level, even 25-year-old ones, but especially 25-day-old ones. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash ride, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash ride now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash ride. Lumen is the world's first handheld metabolic coach. It's a device that measures your metabolism through your breath. And on the app, it lets you know if you're burning fat or carbs and gives you tailored guidance to improve your nutrition, workouts, sleep, and even stress management. All you have to do is breathe into your Lumen first thing in the morning and you'll know what's going on with your metabolism whether you're burning mostly fats or carbs. Then, Lumen gives you a personalized nutrition plan for that day based on your measurements. You can also breathe into it before and after workouts and meals so you know exactly what's going on in your body in real time, and Lumen will give you tips to keep you on top of your health game. My wife and I are currently on parallel get healthier, get thinner regimens and have found Lumen incredibly useful as a guide because your metabolism is at the center of everything your body does. Optimal metabolic health translates into a bunch of benefits, including easier weight management, improved energy levels, better fitness results, better sleep, etc. So if you want to take the next step in improving your health, go to lumen.me and use RIDE to get $100 off your Lumen. That's L-U-M-E-N dot M-E and use RIDE at checkout for $100 off. Thank you, Lumen, for sponsoring this episode. Time for the weekend long read suggestions. As Wired puts it, Gus Weiss was a shrewd intelligence insider who pulled off an audacious tech hack against the Soviets during the Cold War. Or did he? Quote, this plan to feed defective technology, which Weiss says carried the operation designation KUDO, existed as part of a larger government mobilization in response to the farewell intelligence across the national security community. It was a multi-layered operation, Galahad told me. According to Galahad, Weiss didn't hold any formal leadership role in this effort. Instead, quote, Gus did his work through his own contacts. He was a White House guy. He could get people to pay attention to his ideas. He had friends in the computer business. He had Casey's ear, end quote. Galahad told me that Weiss zeroed in on the Soviet industrial sector. He wanted to gut punch the Soviet economy, end quote. Now, to find out why there are doubts 
about this legend of Gus Weiss and his wrecking of the Soviet economy, you'll have to read the piece. Next, The Verge wonders if the just-in-time manufacturing supply chain revolution that Tim Cook introduced to Apple and made Apple the hardware manufacturing envy of the world might now have been dealt a fatal blow from trade wars first, but also now from coronavirus. Quote, Cook closed factories and warehouses around the world and instead established relations with contract manufacturers, according to a 2008 article in Fortune magazine. Cook called inventory fundamentally evil and so reduced the amount of time inventory was on the company balance sheet from months to days. In 2012, an article in The Atlantic praised Apple for turning over its inventory once every five days. Apple's ability to launch, manufacture, and ship millions of iPhones around the world every year like clockwork with little remaining inventory is a miracle of globalized just-in-time manufacturing, but the entire JIT system is being tested by the coronavirus, end quote. Indeed, there's a Joe Rogan episode from this week going around where he talks to a scientist about coronavirus and stuff like that. But the scientist made a point in passing about medical supplies, drug supplies, and supply chains that made me realize things might have gone too far with this zero inventory fetish, at least for some items, you know, like medicines and surgical masks and the like. But also maybe it's not such a bad thing to have some sort of backup of key components that you absolutely can't live without, no matter what you're manufacturing. If only strategically. You could always plan to draw the strategic stockpile down when prudent, of course, but at least you'd have it on hand and not sitting behind the borders of a country you can't access when you really, really need it. Seriously, I'm starting to wonder if one of the Biggest casualties of this crisis might be the whole concept of JIT systems full stop. Next, in Marker, Maya Kozov has a great piece looking at why all the direct-to-consumer startups seem to be in trouble all at the same time, or as she puts it, why all the Warby Parker clones are imploding. Quote, A few days after Blumenthal and I spoke, news broke that Rockets of Awesome would be laying off half of its staff. According to the Wall Street Journal, Blumenthal's wife's four-year-old company that had raised $49 million would retrench in order to focus, quote, on shifting away from high-paced growth and toward profitability, end quote. In other words, the pivot every one of these venture-backed DTCs is frantically trying to make right now. One of the last questions I had asked Blumenthal before that news came out was whether the DTC model was actually sustainable for any of these companies, particularly for the venture-backed unicorns. It's never been easier or less expensive to start a business, but it's also never been harder to scale one, Blumenthal conceded, which is probably the most damning thing a co-founder of a hyper-popular company with a heavy PR presence hovering on the phone will tell you, end quote. Protocol says Google has actively been attempting to kneecap Amazon's smart TV efforts by pressuring TV manufacturers not to use Amazon's Fire TV system. Might that be worthy of antitrust scrutiny all by itself? Quote, At the center of Google's efforts to block Amazon's smart TV ambitions is the Android compatibility commitment, a confidential set of policies formerly known as the Anti-Fragmentation Agreement, that manufacturers of Android devices have to agree to in order to get access to Google's Play Store. Google has been developing Android as an open-source operating system while at the same time keeping much tighter control of what device manufacturers can do if they want access to the Play Store as well as the company's suite of apps. For Android TV, Google's apps include a highly customized launcher or home screen, optimized for big screen environments, as well as a TV version of its Play Store. 
Google's policies are meant to set a baseline for compatible Android devices and guarantee that apps developed for one Android device work on another. The company also gives developers some latitude, allowing them to build their own versions of Android based on the operating system's open-source code, as long as they follow Google's compatibility requirements. However, the Android compatibility commitment blocks manufacturers from building devices based on forked versions of Android, such as Fire TV OS, that are not compatible with the Google-sanctioned version of Android. This even applies across device categories, according to two sources. Manufacturers that have signed on to the Android compatibility commitment for their mobile phone business are effectively not allowed to build Fire TV devices. Quote, you cannot manufacture any of these non-compliant devices, the senior employee told Protocol. This type of contract was unlike any other partnership agreement in the industry, he said. It's completely unique, end quote. The New York Times has a look at Bring a Trailer, a website slash auction site that has 100,000 registered bidders, as well as 2 million monthly users, and is shaking up the traditional auto auction market. The startup story behind Bring a Trailer kind of reminds me of the Craigslist and eBay founding legends. Quote, Mr. Nonnenberg began blogging about cars that were listed for sale online in 2007, the year he turned 30. It started as a hobby, he said. Working in San Francisco as a BMW product engineer at the time, he surfed the web at night, keeping an eye out for, quote, something cool on eBay or Craigslist or in car club ads, end quote. Sellers whose vehicles were sold on his blog sent the fledgling startup a small check and closed the deal with an online handshake. It wasn't a very buttoned-up operation, Mr. Nonenberg said. Even so, the site's clicks, comments, and buyers grew. We separated ourselves by careful selection, Mr. Nonenberg said. We made sure every car was interesting, end quote. In 2010, Mr. Nonenberg quit his day job. I said to myself, let's make this a viable business, he recalled. Let's make it something real. Bringatrailer.com started business as an auction website on July 23, 2014, with three cars listed. A 1970 Boss Mustang, a 1991 BMW M3, and a 1964 Alfa Romeo Coupe. And finally, my favorite, tech history. I saw this around the time I was researching to share that story last week about selling IP blocks. This is a story about the history of the URL. Quote, on the 11th of January, 1982... 22 computer scientists met to discuss an issue with computer mail, which we now know as email. Attendees included the guy who would create Sun Microsystems, the guy who made Zork, the NTP guy, and the guy who convinced the government to pay for Unix. The problem was simple. There were 455 hosts on the ARPANET, and the situation was getting out of control. This issue was occurring now because the ARPANET was on the verge of switching from its original NCP protocol to the TCP IP protocol, which powers what we now call the internet. With that switch, suddenly there would be a multitude of interconnected networks, an internet, if you will, requiring a more hierarchical domain system where ARPANET could resolve its own domains while other networks resolved theirs, end quote. Read on to find out how they resolved the resolve problems. Anecdotally, all I can tell you is that last night was the night that New York City finally freaked out about coronavirus. So many stories from friends, I can't relate them all. I will be recording from my home next week, unless some miracle happens this weekend. I have a backup mic there, but it may be a few days before I can get a full studio quality setup set up. So sorry if it sounds a little different on Monday. No weekend bonus episodes this weekend, not because of coronavirus, just because that's how it shook out in the schedule. 
I'm going to sign off this week with my new sign-off from the other show because this weekend especially, I think I really mean it. Be well, everybody. Talk to you on Monday. <laughs>